good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is that you are listening. Folks, thank you very, very much for listening. We're back. Shoot the J is back. Um, almost, I guess, an emergency episode here today. The date today is the 16th of November, year of our Lord, 2020. A lot to unpack here as the moratorium on trades in the NBA was lifted today at noon. We heard a little bit, uh, well, specifically one trade, which we're about to get into before noon, which was obviously finalized when the moratorium was lifted. And then since then, we have had one other trade, and it was uh, more on the cataclysmic side, which we are also going to cover today. So let's jump right into this, folks. Got a bit of a jam-packed episode. No idea what the runtime's going to be, so we'll see. Um, first thing you see, you wake up. And I woke up at probably about 8.30 this morning, which is pretty early for me. And the trade had already been out for an hour. Uh, Bruce Brown was traded from the Detroit Pistons to the Brooklyn Nets for Jean and Musa and a 2021 second round pick. Now, we all have a lot of feelings about this. Um, and and I, I know a lot of you were hoping that I could have been, I, I could have been the voice of reason in, in the video that I made. And I think some of you were upset that I wasn't able to provide that. Not like mad at me, just like, ah, so my feelings are validated. Um, unfortunately, yes, they are. If you think the Pistons got fleeced, I mean, there are a few ways to look at it. On the surface, yes, because we gave up our best on-ball defender. And I, I'm going to keep reiterating the same points. And then when on the next episode of the Motown Rundown, when we cover this trade again, I'm going to say a lot of the same thing. So I'm going to try to keep it short here. Because there's not too much that I'm going to be able to say that I haven't already said on Twitter or in my video. Um, and I don't want to keep beating a dead horse. So instead, instead of saying the same things, I guess, that I've already been saying, let's kind of look at this from a perspective that I haven't talked about yet. And not a lot of others have because everyone's too busy being upset because one of their favorite players just got traded. I was able to talk to James Edwards today i texted him of the athletic for the if you don't know for some reason well i guess actually there are some kings fans and some bucks fans and some miscellaneous fans that aren't pistons fans that listen to this so james edwards the third uh one of the pistons beat writers for the athletic i, I texted him today and i was like I, brother speak to me a little bit give me something here what why what what's what's the rationale here and i think we had a we had a pretty productive conversation and and he was able to make me calm down a little bit so Musa, whose first name, again, I may have butchered, and I think I did in my video as well, but nobody's corrected me on it. I've, I've never known how to pronounce his name, but just through my knowledge of pronunciation, Janin, Janin, I believe that's how you say it, but for all intents and purposes, until I hear George Blaha say it, and he, even, he might butcher it, we're going to call him Musa, okay, because I know that's what Nets fans did anyways. He's a guy who, by the and I said this in my video, by the approximation of Moses, flat out one of the worst players in the NBA. And I, I'm pretty good friends with a lot of Nets fans, um, given my time as a Nets writer last year, that brief like two-month stint when I was writing for the Nets site for Fansided. I became pretty well-connected with a lot of those guys. So for me, it's been well-documented uh, how they feel about Musa. And the joke for them has been basically trying to pawn him off on any franchise who's dumb enough to take him. And for me, it was always the same jokes because they know how I feel about Luke is give us Luke for Musa as a, you know, as a joke. And it was that same rhetoric for every single team. Give us a actually pretty decent player for this pile of garbage. Now, Musa was drafted in 2018. Same draft as Bruce Brown. So he's making a little bit more money. 
Um, and he will have a team option coming up in, a, in, in I believe, two years. Money's not going to be the issue. It's really, you know, it's about a, like a million dollars more at the end of the day. It's not going to be that big of a deal, um, especially considering the fact that Detroit has plenty of money, like they're going to be fine. But here's the thing with him is his offensive production, at least at the next level in the NBA, has been virtually non-existent. Some of it has been a matter of opportunity, seeing as in his rookie year he only played nine games. He's been, he spent a lot of his time in the G League. This last season he played 40 games for Brooklyn um, and actually played like decent minutes. He's averaging almost 12 and a half a game. But even then, the dude's only shooting 37% from the field and 24% from, from deep. And with him, because he's, I think, 6'9", 6'9", like 220. So the frame is there. The frame is really exciting. It's like almost like Davida Servitas, who apparently might be coming to Detroit. I was told we should not expect to see him in a Pistons uniform this season, but he could at least play for Grand Rapids, and, and that's really exciting. Depending on how this season goes, who knows? Maybe we'll see him. Conversely, though, this season um, for uh, Brooklyn's G League team, Musa was averaging 19.5 on 52% and 41% from deep. Okay, so like he's he's there. And he's also he's also grabbing eight boards a game. So the production is there on a G League level. And what I said in my video is some guys are just perennial G League players, and that's the end of it. And there's nothing more to say. And I, and listen, don't get it twisted. Like Musa's only been in the league for two years, so there's there's room for for growth. Okay? Like he could get better. But this idea that is being thrown around that just because Troy Weaver has a pretty good track record, if not elite track record, of drafting um, and acquiring talent that maybe people are overlooking, like he has an eye for it, just because that's true does not mean I have to all like validate this move. It, he's not all of a sudden impervious to my criticism or your criticism. It does not absolve him from the reality that this was a fundamentally bad trade on on paper we got worse but here's the thing that could be what the pistons want that could be what they're going for and those second round picks that you know now we have a gm who actually covets them i guess because i know pistons fans were always really up in arms about the whole ed stefanski saying you know we don't want some second round pick that we can't put a name to that take that he had that left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths people did not like that at all I kind of knew where he was coming from, but in principle, it was an odd thing to say, especially considering we just never have any picks at all. So now Troy Weaver comes in and he says, what, a week and a half ago, that we want to quote-unquote stock the cupboard with second-round picks? Well, there's the first one. But I should it should be known that Brooklyn, I think, had four. It was three or four second-round picks next season, and we got the worst one, the least favorable one, which is kind of annoying. We got it from Toronto. So you're expecting that to be somewhere in the 45 to 60 range, probably, right? Unless they just have a dumpster fire of a season, which they're not going to. You're probably looking at 50 to 60. And, and I'll take what I can get because that, 20, that 2021 class is expected to be pretty good. Pretty darn good. So we'll see what happens there. But it's entirely within the realm of possibility that... And here's the thing, and this is the truth. You can find a Bruce Brown-type player in a lot of different places. There's one in free agency this year. His name's DeAnthony Melton from Memphis. And a lot of people were like, should Detroit go after him? And I, th and I said this literally like two or three days ago. I was like, no, um, because we already have Bruce Brown. 
He's a guy who's a he's a Melton is a really solid perimeter defender. I don't know if he would day one be Detroit's best on ball defender like Bruce was. Uh, but he also just kind of shies away on offense, and there's some production here and there. And yeah, he can kind of hit threes, but guess what? Only from the corner. Who does that sound like? It's literally Bruce, right? So it's like almost a one-to-one, and I just wasn't interested in that. But now I'm like, okay, just go get another one. They, they, You know, they come around every few years, if not every year. It sucks because, yeah, Bruce is like the quintessential embodiment of what we've always envisioned as Detroit basketball. That gritty mentality, the guy who, if you're going to be a one-way player, it's fine if you're prioritizing defense, that guy. And he was showing strides on offense is what it is. And you got to get over it because the reality is that this could be the first domino. And we've been led to believe that it, that it will be. I think every single beat reporter today was like, this is an indication that they're going to be pretty active. So we'll see what happens there. I'm probably leaving something out. So I might come back to this point here in a little bit. Now, obviously the elephant in the room is the trade that occurred at like what? 1230 Eastern time. Sam Presti did it again. Uh, Chris Paul is now a Phoenix son. Gets sent to Phoenix in exchange for Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre Jr., Ty Jerome, and Jalen LeCue. Also, because it's a, it's a trade involving Sam Presti and the Oklahoma City Thunder, a 2022 first-round pick. So now, for the next seven years, until 2027... The Oklahoma City Thunder possess 17 first-round picks. 17. And I've made this comparison on pretty much every show I've ever been on in the last, like, three weeks, that when we speak comparatively, we talk about how Sam Presti is sort of taking after Danny Ainge and how the old adage with Danny Ainge was, if he calls you, hang up because he's going to fleece you. Because Danny Ainge just... And it, it was, I mean, you look back at, I don't know, the last decade of Celtics basketball and what Danny Ainge did. And, and sending Brooklyn into purgatory and stealing their first-round pick for, what, like four or five years? Six, I don't remember how many years it was. But he made them irrelevant from the KG Paul Pierce move. Here's what the difference could be. Because right now, people are giving Sam Presti all the flowers in the world. And they're saying it's over. Best GM in basketball. And I kind of, I really want to agree with it, but we need to pump the brakes just a little bit. Because people used to say the same thing about Danny Ainge. And yeah, it turned into Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, which is really fun because they're really good. I really like both of them. But they balked on like Anthony Davis. How many reports did we hear? where they were like, we don't want to commit to multiple picks in exchange for him. And a lot of it was because they didn't know if he was going to stay, which is, you know, uh, it's a decision that has to be made. The difference is that Danny Ainge didn't do anything substantial with those picks. And Boston's going to be in the position that they were in this last season. They're going to be there for the next 10 years because they have Tatum and they have Jalen Brown right now. Subject to change, considering the landscape of the league and player movement, We'll see how it goes. They have a few more years with Kemba, too. We'll see how that goes. But it didn't amount to anything. Actually, I kind of want to get back to this point. In a, well, I guess I'll just finish it off. So with Sam Presti, he's not a loser. By no stretch of the imagination is he a loser. The, I mean, the, the Thunder had, what, a sub-1% chance 
at making the playoffs last season, everyone's thinking like, okay, Chris Paul is like, what, 34 going into last year. He's probably going to be not like washed, but he's not going to be point God anymore. Like he's going to be good, but it's going to, nope. And they were really good. Schroeder was amazing. Lou Dort became a thing, like a, a real thing. Shea Gilgis Alexander. Like that was, a. it ended up being amazing. And Chris Paul was, oh my God, he's still really good. And it was really fun. But here's the thing. We all kind of knew it. Well, maybe not all of us, because some people thought that uh, the Thunder were going to get the house for um, for Chris Paul. But, and, and I warned Bucks fans about this too. You got to be a little bit weary when trading for Chris Paul, because at some point he's going to fall off. At some point he will. And that's why I actually do applaud Phoenix for only giving up the one first round pick. Losing Rubio sucks, but it's like, because oh, he was really fun last year. But at the end of the day, of course, like that was almost essential. Ubre was a piece that, again, is essential. You could maybe throw Ty Jerome and Jalen LeCue in there as well, just as like these fun, young, promising pieces. But Kelly Ubre, to me, and that 2022 first pick, um, 2022 first rounder, those are like, that's it. Those are the centerpieces right there. And the and people were mad that they moved Ubre, but uh, at the end of the day, here's the thing. I think both sides are – it's fun for both sides. And it, I, Devin Booker has been in the league for like five years, and the best guy that he's going to play with at this point is a 35-year-old point guard. So here's the thing, though, with that, is like how many years of good Chris Paul are you still going to get? You really don't know because you're like, well, he's not LeBron. But, I mean, kind of, maybe a little bit, just like because nobody's going to be LeBron and have the longevity that he's had. But Chris Paul – is still really good. He's still the passer that he's always been. He's still a really good scorer. He's still really annoying defensively. He jumps passing lanes like he's 26. So who knows what's going to happen there. But the craziest thing, just to go back on it a little bit, Oklahoma City has two first-round picks this year. They own two in the 2020 NBA draft. For the next five years, they have three first-round picks in every single draft. Three for the next five years. So now the question becomes, Sam Presti's got to like actually kind of live up to it. Like, cool, you got all these picks. You got, what, like four for, you, I don't know, you got like eight combined between Russell Westbrook and uh, Paul George. Can you make something happen with it? Because that, that's why I'm not ready to call him the best GM in basketball yet because the Thunder haven't done anything with what they have. And it's not up to anybody's fault. It's just like the reality of it. We got to pump the brakes because Bob Myers is still in Golden State. Sean Marks is still in Brooklyn. Like Daryl Morey is another great example. Like these are guys who I, I can't say Sean Marks has won anything yet, but he won the KD, Kyrie, DeAndre Jordan sweepstakes. Bob Myers has obviously won things. Daryl Morey, it depends on your viewpoint. If you if you think he's a loser, I'm not going to change your mind. If you're right and you think he's a winner, then welcome aboard. But we got to wait. We, we, we just really got to wait. But what I am prepared to do with Presti, and my brother, I tweeted about this too. He hit the nail right on the head. How does, how does he keep getting away with this? We need to study that man's brain. I don't know what's going on that he's able to talk these people into giving him so much all the time. 
What I am able to do, what I am prepared to call Sam Presti, is not the best general manager in basketball, but an extremist and a revisionist of the word rebuild itself. Because you can talk Pistons rebuild all you want. You want to get some picks. You want to you know get some bad contracts to actually get the assets that you need. Follow the, the traditional, almost rudimentary formula of the word. Sam Presti said, um, how about I just get all of the picks, every single one, all of them, period. And he's doing it. He's doing it right now. He's a, a, a deviant extremist revisionist of the word itself. I'm prepared to call him that because it's, it's, it's astounding. I love it so much. But again. We just have to wait and see. In five years, when they've had what? What's the what's the math on that? Like they've made seventeen picks in 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 five years from now. If they don't trade a single pick, they'll have made seventeen first round picks, which is insane. How does that math work? That math doesn't work. It doesn't matter. They'll have made a considerable number of picks, and they only need to hit on what like six of them. They need to hit on like maybe thirty three percent of them. And then just trade the rest of them. But for what is the question? Because there's still value with Steven Adams. They could definitely get something for him too. I don't know if it's a first. But you could get something for him. So we'll see. It's going to be really fun, folks. Draft coverage is coming up. But you won't catch it here. New episode of Motown Rundown is going to drop Wednesday morning. The day of the draft. Usually we drop on Thursdays. This week we're going to do it early because I may not be able to record. on. Well, I'm, I would rather just watch the entire draft, so I'm not going to be able to record. It's a whole thing. We just figured it'd be, able to, it'd be better to do like a, a draft special on Wednesday. So Matthew's going to be asking me all his draft questions, and we're going to do full Pistons draft coverage on Wednesday morning. That'll, be, uh, that'll arrive in your, your feeds wherever you listen to podcasts, so, so keep your eyes peeled for that. A lot of, we're going to also cover the Bruce Brown thing, but just a little like kind of lightly. I'll let Matthew give his thoughts. We'll see. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Motown Rundown is a podcast where my brother and I talk about all the Detroit sports teams. So if you're not a Lions fan or a Wings fan or a Tigers fan or a Pistons fan, it may not be of great interest, but it's still a lot of fun, and I think you guys would enjoy it. I feel like I'm missing a lot. I feel like I went into this, and I almost had too much to say, and I'm just – I'm going to – like someone's going to be like, hey, you didn't mention this thing. Like, ah, I didn't. You're right. I guess I'll just have to mention it on the Motown Rundown. So you guys will have to check it out then. Ladies and gentlemen, if you made it this far, genuinely from the bottom of my heart, thank you very, very much for listening. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate five stars and subscribe. I will catch you guys in the next one.